0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everybody. It is Monday the 3rd of May 2021. We are recording on a Monday, uh, but this uh, you'll be hearing this and seeing this on a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, because we are still adhering to the social media blackout that uh, all of the uh, Parties involved in, in English football were and have been involved in until midnight on Monday. So we are just recording this and we'll you'll be seeing this uh, a day after. So just a little bit of a transparency there. But this is England is Burning uh, for Monday, the 3rd of May. This is your Manchester United weekly feature. And we have back with us Mark from the Barmy Army to discuss Manchester United. And it appears... And Manchester United cannot seem to get themselves out of the news for off-the-field stuff. Uh, Mark, uh, you know, it's like it's either the Zuber League or now it's protesting uh, the Glazer family ownership of Manchester United. For those of you who do not know, do not, I've never heard of this before, uh, the Glazer family based out of Tampa – Florida also own the NFL's Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, own the also own Manchester United. They have owned Manchester United basically through a leveraged takeover back dating back to 2005 and essentially have been using the club as an ATM. In my opinion, ever since Uh, they put a bunch of debt into it and are basically using the club as collateral towards that debt. And so they have taken dividends and have paid uh, into that debt over and over again it's just a vicious cycle but Mark welcome back
1: how are you hi hey, thanks for having me I'm good thanks
0: yeah I had to go on that rant of uh, poor business management of football clubs not that uh, that other football clubs don't have bad business management uh, but that is one of the worst um, the Glazers are really in an untenable position both from a business standpoint and from a fan standpoint right Mark
1: yeah absolutely um I don't think there's many united fans out there that don't want the, the the Glazer family gone. Uh my opinion on them has changed dramatically within the last 3 weeks, 4 weeks since the announcement of the European Super League. I was neither it beforehand. I you know I was neither for the Glazer family nor against the Glazer family. They left me alone, I left they, them alone. I could go <laughs> and watch Manchester United and mm-hmm. you know it was it was the way it was, the way it was. Um and I mentioned it last week. I, I think the, the Glazer family have let themselves down, um, and the fact they've never apologized for what they did to the fans and what they've said about the fans, I think that's that's crossed. Uh, I think that's upset more fans, and it's, it certainly annoyed me. I am not a legacy fan. I never liked that term they used in the announcement of the ESL. Um, it still annoys me now. It's it's one of those things. Um, yesterday, the the fans of the voices of fans need to be heard. We, we you know a lot of the fans, every fan that goes to a football game deserves to be heard, whether that's singing on the terraces or whatever, whatever the way they want to do it. Yesterday, a lot of people went to Old Trafford to protest getting this family now out. And this morning, the Manchester United Supporters Trust they have written an open letter to Joel Glazer asking him to respond publicly by friday uh we'll see if that happens i'm i'm going to be honest i don't think it will happen i'll be very surprised if joe glazer makes any sort of statement or announcement publicly um and yeah the scenes the fans getting into old Trafford. yet it was disturbing um uh but i think a majority of people went there yesterday to have their voices heard because since 2005, as you said, the the Glazer family have used the club as a, as as an ATM and it has to stop at some point.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, and those of you, I mean, you are watching, listening to this on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or, or or even later. So, so basically just to kind of get it, kind of look at the timeline. I know on Friday, last Friday, there was a fan forum. I don't know who from United attended that, but I know that certain uh, fans and season ticket holders were invited to that. I think there was uh, some level of confrontation there uh, in terms of, you know, making some demands on the Glazers uh, at that point. But then you move to Sunday, which basically uh, for those of you who don't know, the biggest match in the English football calendar is Manchester United on the men's side, Manchester United versus Liverpool. It's the biggest, you know, one, the big one, arguably the biggest rivalry in all of England in terms of football is concerned. And the protests were so uh over the top in terms of you know breaking into they broke into Old Trafford. They basically quarantined uh, the Manchester United team hotels to make sure that no one could leave. Uh Things you know, things were broken. Players um, and things just de- just kind of devolved. Where it was initially supposed to be a very peaceful demonstration, peaceful protest. I would, I'm sure that 99.5 percent of the people that were there were there peacefully, wanting to just you know demonstrate against the you know the Glazers ownership and so forth. But it just devolved. Um, you know, and the line I think was crossed when people get hurt, when things get busted up, things get broken, uh, things like. That I understand the idea that this is your club kind of thinking. You know, this is our club. You, you know, we decide when you play, we decide when you train. I get that. I totally get it. But you draw it a line. I draw it a line where people where things get broken. That's other people's property, or people get hurt, and or you know, and so that line got crossed. But end of this day, it was decided that that game was to be postponed. It will be rescheduled, of course. Um, so. Do you think, though, that the protesters were
1: successful in their aim? I think over the last couple of weeks, um, the fans of the voices, the voices fans, sorry, have been heard more on a regular basis. And the fact now we have the prime minister behind backing talks and um, you have the Duke of Cambridge, Prince William, who's the, the head of the F.A., he wants it all these things to evolve. He, you know, without fans, and I know we, you know, I'm not going to talk on a business side thing. I'm going to talk without fans. Football is, is as Samat Busby said, football is nothing without fans. And as, as fans, we need to be, we, we, we have a right to be heard. I love going to Old Trafford. I love going to Old Trafford with family, with friends, whoever. But Old Trafford, it needs some repair work doing on it. Now, Let's say, for example, the repair work cost a million pounds. We're just picking a random number, a million pounds. The glazers let they take their dividends, which is you know four, five, six, seven, eight million pounds. They could leave a million and go, you know what, let's get the roof repaired. But all they're doing is taking back. I have no I have no problem with them taking back the money they're owed. No issue with that. The dividends, I sort of have an issue with because they could leave some of that in the club to do the repairs, mm-hmm. but they don't. And, they take, and and over the last couple of years when the roof at Old Trafford is getting a bit worse for wear and it does leak because I sit underneath where it leaks, so I know it leaks and the club would know it leaks, they could get it repaired and they could leave the money in. But all they're doing is taking more and more money. Now, you mentioned the fans forum, that the emergency fans forum that took place on Friday. Ed Woodward went into it, and there was there was frank discussion, and they, you know, the the people who were in the meeting, they they made their voices heard. But Ed Woodward is, you know, he he's leaving. He's the last. Mm-hmm. He's leaving, so they needed. So I have no issue with Ed Woodward going in. Actually, I'm very happy he did go in mm-hmm. because he understands the relationship has to be with the fans. When we came out of the ESL, Joe, Joe Glazer said, we want to rebuild the trust with the fans. Well, you haven't done that. And you need to start to do that. You need to have communication. And as I mentioned last week, when John Henry comes out and he makes a public apology, publicly, that goes a long way. The Liverpool fans have not forgotten, and I don't think they'll forget for a while, but they'll go, at least our owner had the common common decency to put his face on a camera and say i'm sorry whereas Joe glazer what he's done is he's never apologized and he still says that the esl is a very good thing for football it's a good thing for him because he'll be making money out of it and as fans as i said I just want my voice heard. I you know, I didn't go to the protest yesterday. I was watching the women's game. I was going to watch the women's game, then I was going to watch, as you rightly said, is the biggest game in the English footballing calendar, United-Liverpool. It's got heritage. Neither set of fans like each other. But yesterday, the fans came together. There was Liverpool fans at that protest. The when, when, the... So when we come together as one... We need you know it, it, it's a great thing I, I don't agree with people going in and getting hurt and smashing stuff up but I, I, I'm agreeing with you on that I, I just I, you know one of the things I heard this morning and I mentioned it to you before we came on is that there's the people are people are saying if you think yesterday was good wait till see wait till you see we've got what we've got planned next and then you know you you talk about fitting in the next game of this rearranged rearranged game United playing Thursday Sunday Wednesday Sunday we can't fit the game in we literally have no space to fit this game in so so that means we might I'm not saying we will it might you know I hope we play it. I want that game played but that game yesterday I, I don't I, I think there was a lot of people who wanted that game to go ahead yesterday and I think it was as you said there was a few who went in hoping the game would get postponed to cost money and uh, I, I I think the downside to what happened yesterday, and if it is a downside, is that I don't know when that, as I said, I don't know when that game is going to be replayed. I don't know when you can fit it in. Because all games in the English league, in the, in the Premier League, have to finish by May 23rd. And as I said, we play Thursday night against Roma, we play Sunday against Villa, we play the midweek after against Leicester, we then have Fulham at home. We then have Wolves away. That's and we suppose and we've got the Liverpool game to fit in as well. And I, I just can't see where it's going to fit in.
0: So I think I'm not sure. I, I think from what I've heard, I think those people that wanted the match to be cancelled, I think was was more about the visibility of it. Like we got we as fans, again, the, the whole the idea that that's been thrown out there of we and we being I'm not saying you and I, Mark, I'm saying we as fans, yeah. we decide because it's our club. We decide when y'all get to get to train. We get to decide when you all get the play and the visibility of the most visible English football match on the calendar being wiped off. Well, in and I'm using air quotes on that wiped yeah. off for the day because of us, because we did what we did is a visibility thing because yeah. around the globe, you know, that's what you saw instead of seeing, you know, um, Harry Maguire and Mason Greenwood and Luke Shaw and Robert Firmino and Mohamed Salah and, you know, those dudes, you know, playing the match. in the, you know, in the U.S., it was, in, you know, in the late morning, early afternoon, you saw helicopters flying around Old Trafford and people all over the place and in yellow and green uh, flares being shot up in the air, uh, and and people were wondering, is this thing going to get canceled? And I, I was like, yeah, they're going to this thing is got done, <laughs> you know, and so forth. But the thing is, Mark, if not the Glazers, then who? If the Glazers don't run the team, then who's going to run the team? I mean, who's going to own it? Is there anyone out there with four billion dollars? Because that's the, the worth of Manchester United is is the third most. A financially big club in the world, behind Real Madrid and Barcelona, sitting just under four billion.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and and it's a great point because just because the club's valued at four billion pounds or dollars, doesn't mean to sell. Doesn't mean to say for one minute they're going to sell it for four billion. They might want to. You know, you say, you know, you want to buy it. It's eight million. Double your money. You know, and then it's, you know, uh, you know, then it's a, the, like Saudi Arabia. They might have to buy the club, but that takes us, but that doesn't solve the problem because we still have owners. And I don't, I'm you, 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 hearing people out there saying we want 50 plus one. We want 50 plus one. Now, do I think the 50 plus one scheme could work here for United? Do you know, I, I think it probably could, but it would mean the Glazers having to relinquish half of their shares to work and can i see them doing that in one lump no i think a, a start would be bring their bring their equity down from you know down to 75% as a start it's just it's a starting point because no one's going to start off and go yeah you know what i'll give you half straight away there has to be a, a starting point and i i honestly believe you know to bring their equity down to seventy-five percent is a fair is a fair start. Whether it's, you know whether whether twenty-five percent is the starting point and the and the bargain you know down a, you know down to say 10 percent to fifteen percent. You know I think that that's a fair way of doing it. But there is no way on God's green earth that the Glazer family are going to get rid of half of their equity in one fell swoop. They that there has to, you know, I think common sense has to come in. And as much as, I, you know, I, I I'll say this now that if it came to buying shares, I would put my hand straight into my pocket and I would buy shares. But as much as I want to buy the shares, the Glacier family have to be willing to sell them. And right. I, I, I just don't think I, I, I'm going to be honest. I just don't think they will because I just think they 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 realise this. But on the other side of it, and we, again, it's something we're talking about. They want to appease us. They want to please us, fans. So in the summer, they could go to the United board and go, "Whatever Ollie wants, whatever case he wants, just give it to them. It will keep the fans on side." Now, if that happens, and then we go on next season to win, for example, you know, hypothetically the WSL, the Premier League, and and whatever else, is all this going to be forgotten? I, I, I honestly, I don't think it. I don't think it'll go away that easily. I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of trust issues. And um, the the club on Friday when they had the emergency board meeting, the emergency fan forum. Sorry, they started to try and rebuild trust, and I think that's the start. Start, by get your trust back. Then have uh, dialogue. With you know, through the club as an intermediary or using the club or whatever, to say to the Glazers, this is what we would like. Are you prepared to do these? And have, you know, a conversation. As much as the protests on TV and the and the the yellow and gold flares, uh, green and gold flares going up yesterday. There were great, you know, the great photographic shots. But you know, Joel Glazer in Tampa, you know, he woke up and he went, I'm not there, I'm here. What's he gonna do? It's not going to, you know, they you know, the, the Bucks books bought won the the Super Bowl. How much money did they make winning the Super Bowl this year? Enough. Mm-hmm. What it, I think what they need uh, logically, I think there's, you know, I, I've spoken about this this morning with my wife, and we say if they didn't take as much dividends this season because of the, you know, of the way the world is in the coronavirus pandemic, although we are now coming out of it that might go and if that club is regenerated into if that money's then regenerated into the club that's a good start show your faith show what you why you've bought united united is a is a money-making machine and that's a business that that um is a million miles away from where I, i can ever imagine it to be but show your trust into into the footballing side of it don't take your billions and millions of pounds out in your in your yearly dividends leave them leave it at the club pay off your pay off the debt that you put us into it you know I, that that to me is right now is where I think we need to kind of go There's so many different points to this,
0: uh, and there's so many different you know avenues to this, and so forth. I mean, there have been some people that have been said that you know that well, you know, my United fans are just upset because they're not winning. Uh, you know, I heard somebody on you know somebody in TV said that, and I was like, well, wait a minute, hold on. The Glazers did a leverage buyout, and it was indeed a leverage buyout. Uh, you know, through 2004 into 2005, and, you know, they won Premier Leagues and Champions League competitions after the takeover up until the retirement of Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. So, you know, that's not the issue. People were protesting and against the Glazers back in 2010, almost immediately after they had won the Champions League in 2009. Right. So with that being said, it's that I'm not sure is really the issue. I think it's the issue of the, the style of ownership and how the ownership has taken place and, and the rot that has essentially taken place over the years. I mean, when you take over a billion dollars out of the organization, which could have been used for upgrading training facilities, upgrading the stadium, like, because it, it, you know, it has to be upgraded. Those things are upgraded while other owners in the league have stepped in and not done a leveraged buyout. They have improved facilities, rebuilt things. They have built new training, uh, you know, uh, better training facilities and so forth. And United is frankly being, you know, left behind yeah. uh, in this, in this regard. And I think that in of itself is like, this is a poorly run business is so poorly run. You put the the company, and let's say it's a company. If this was a company and it's leveraged over five hundred million in debt, or close, to, you know, in 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 dollars, and the American dollars is over five hundred million, you know, how is that a good business model? I mean, and who's going to buy that because they got to buy the debt too? Um, but then here's the other thing. Again, go back to the 50 and go to 50 plus one. Okay. Look up who actually runs Leipzig. Leipzig is, they're owned by the company that that makes Red Bull. Okay. Sure. In Germany, there is a rule. There's a law, a 50 plus one, where the, where the, uh, where, a significant group, if not 49%, of the ownership of the club is by the, the essentially the members of the club. Okay. <clears throat> At Leipzig, for example, who, you know who the members of the club are? The members of the club are 17 people who are all employees and executives of the company that runs Red Bull. Those are the members <laughs> that run yeah. the club. So, <laughs> there's got there's multiple loophole loopholes there. Wolfsburg, for example, got a loophole grandfathered in so that the company that makes Volkswagen could still run the company run the team just like anybody else does. So it's not necessarily a panacea. It, it's uh, it, there's really no easy solution to this. But I think Mark, your idea of okay, you know, let's you know, I I, I bring it to this. I think what you're trying to say is. And I'll put it in business terms. In the United States, and I'm sure in England too, there's a saying that says the customer is always right.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm going to put it in business terms. Your, the fans, they're customers. They buy the tickets. They pay for the ch- the TV channels. They buy the merchandise. They buy, you know, the the, the mugs. They buy all of what, the scarves. They come to the stadium. They do – they travel – thousands of miles to come to Manchester to come to one game a year or one game a, a, a decade, but they are your customers. The customer is always right. So yeah. if you look at it from that standpoint, the customers always right and the market always wins. The market and business always wins. The Glazers should know this. The market always wins and the market is the customers and the market is in this case, the fans. So that's why I keep saying the fans have to be listened to. The fans have to be acknowledged because they are your customers. They're the ones buying this stuff. Now, if they stopped doing it or they went away in droves, and we've talked about that, I know, Mark, about our people, would people not buy the merchandise, not buy, um, uh, uh, not buy the the, the the one ticket a year to come to Manchester to come to one game, all that type of stuff, and we have you know doubts about that. But and I think that's what some protesters are getting at. But if you know if the customers are not happy, you got to change something. You got to do something about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you know, you go back to the fifty plus one buying one of their you know they're owned by Adidas by a yeah. Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Owned by Puma. You know right. these these are big companies. These are these are people are in there. The fact, look, I know as a season ticket holder, and it, and it hurts me to say it, but I said it last week. I know as a season ticket holder at Old Trafford, I'm not I'm not the customer they care about. I know that they care about, as you rightly said, the customer who comes over maybe once a year or once every couple of months who buys that ticket, but not only buys a ticket buys the ticket and goes into the mega store and buys the merchandise. Now I'm a hypocrite. I am because I will still go into the mega store and I will still buy a United shirt. Then my team, I, I I'll support them. Is that taking money off the, if I, by doing that, I look at it in one way. I'm actually supporting the staff that were there by buying a shirt because it's keeping them in their job. Yes. yes. Now mm-hmm. the, the, the the other side to the the other side with the glazers is that as much as you know I don't want them there I don't want them there during this whole worldwide pandemic that we've been going through the Manchester clubs and I you know and uh, United and City were two of the clubs that did not make any mm-hmm. uh, redundancies or furloughs they kept every staff member be it uh, someone who works in the megastore or someone who works in the offices or Whatever they kept every single person employed. Nothing was done. They did, unlike other clubs around the Premier League, Liverpool. Liverpool at the very beginning they backtracked. Uh, Tottenham mm-hmm. backtracked. All these clubs backtracked. United and City didn't. They kept everything going. So on the one hand, we're all going. We want the Glazers out, but on the other hand, they made sure that every single member of staff from players, managers, coaches, down to the tea ladies at the clubs and the people who work in the mega store, the people who do that, we we made sure that through from this last 14, 15 months, we're getting their monthly wage. And in these times, I have to say, I'm actually thankful for the Glazers for doing that. But you then, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, They've eroded every bit of trust. Mm-hmm. All that trust is gone. And you're absolutely right. When you look at, you know, Carrington at the very beginning, it was this groundbreaking training facility. It's it's it need you know, we need more they need more now. They need to be brought more up to date. Old Trafford is as a stadium, it's got its history, and I for one never want to move away from Old Trafford. Do I think it's inevitable we will we will? I, I'm really I think we will at some point. I think because we you know old we United could get United get for every men's home game a minimum of seventy-eight thousand. Seventy-eight thousand people. But the there's so many people who want to come to a United game that that you know they could they can't expand Old Trafford to any more capacity. The, you, I don't think physically there's any way to do it. Mm-hmm. So the Glazers need, whoever owns it, whoever runs the club, whoever, wherever it goes, they need to look at what they can do, of how they can fix the trust that's been lost, how they can keep United up and going and being, the a, a, you know, ahead of the game in a way. Because as you rightly said, there's you know, you look at Tottenham's training facilities, it's second to none. United have got plots of land around Carrington, which they own. They can expand. They can make more from it. I'm, I'm, you know, I know there was, you know, but then we've got the other side of things of if, if, as you said, if not the Glazers, then who? And it's, you know, you look at Arsenal and Stan Kroenke, Stan Kroenke has said he will not sell Arsenal for anything. And you've got the guy who owns Spotify saying, well, I've got the money. I'm going to make him a, ref- a a proposal he will not be able to turn down. He'll turn it down. There's, there's nothing more certain than that. Because no one's going to sell it for, for the for the price. And as you rightly said as well, if you buy United, you buy the debt. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a no-win, in a way it's a no-win situation for us as fans, but we will win on it if we get heard. And I think that's most of what we want is just, is just to be heard. I,
0: I'm in the mental health field, and, uh, Mark, and, and one of the things I tell people all the time is that I think 90% of issues, uh, anger, frustration that people have with either you know, one another or with, certain, with people in general or with companies or whatever, can be handled if you just let the person know that they've been heard. You listen yeah. to them. I mean, listening seems to be the hardest thing. People love to talk. I know I do. Uh, you know, they, they love to talk and they and they love to hear their own voices and stuff like that. And on one hand, that's great. But on the other hand, though, what people seem to not understand is that, that listening saw, can actually solve a lot of problems. If people truly yeah. listen, like truly listen. Now, I, I mean, I'm not just talking about I'm sitting in front of you or I'm, or I'm on a screen in front of you and I can physically hear you. Yeah, I can't. But it's truly... Up here in your head listening and in your heart listening, you know, and even if you can't actually change the situation. But if you feel like you've been heard, you do, feel. you, you may, you, you more than likely, unless you're completely out of it, you know, unless you just, there's no going back, you cross the threshold. You can say, you know what? Okay. All right. I know it's not going to change, but. I, I, I've been heard. I feel like I've been heard. And I, and, and, and uh, we may disagree, agree to disagree, but I'll be, I'll be okay. Okay. And then we, and people move on, you know, but if people don't feel like you've been heard, your customers don't feel like they've been heard and the fans don't feel like they've been heard, then you have an untenable situation. But the thing that makes me cringe Mark is what I saw today from ESPN here where, you know, uh, basically, the report was the Glazers are not willing to sell because guess what? It's the prestige, the prestige of owning arguably the biggest club in the world. Yeah. And that's such an American tycoon, crony capitalist, uh, ultra capitalist response. Like, no, nah, I. it's like the rich dude who's now a hundred years old, getting the biggest sports car that he can get because he thinks life's ending. Uh, you know, it's like a rich person, major rich person's midlife crisis. Uh, I own the biggest club in the world. Arguably I can't own Real Madrid. I can't own Barcelona, but I can own this. (laughs) And, and, and and so that's what, that's what fans are fighting against. Uh, so, it may be better to take a different approach and say, you know what, we're customers, we're fans, we're your customers. We need to be heard, uh, and that's probably why people are like, you know what, maybe we need to do something desperate. Maybe we need, and then maybe and desperate, I use air quotes uh, about taking out, you know, crowding into a stadium, breaking in, uh, you know, stuff like that because we're not being heard any other way. Yeah. We're not being heard any other way except we stop the game. We break into the stadium. We keep the team bus from leaving the hotel. Uh, I don't know what they got planned, but I don't know how much bigger you can get from here without being illegal. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, seriously.
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Um, You know, and I think, as I said before, if the Glazers relinquished some of their equity, they would still own the club. They would still have a major ownership. It's just that we feel, as fans, we would feel we would have be able to have. our say, I think one of the 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 someone on on uh, the TV because I uh, obviously with the social media boycott, I've not been on Twitter or anything. One of the people on one of the Sky Sports this morning, they had someone on, and they said one of the ways that you know you could you could stop this happening is have an independent independent fan, fan liaison on the board of Manchester United or on the board of every major football club. That way, the fans' voices are heard by, at board level. It's, mm-hmm. As we keep saying, the fans' voices have to be heard. What better way to get your voice heard than at board level, in the meetings? Right, right.
0: But you know what's interesting, though, you know, the two main uh, purveyors of the Super League, the two main uh, parties involved outside of England in the Super League concept, uh, who have not yet backed down from it, are Real Madrid and Barcelona. And they are, you know, they have members, they have socios, uh, who are members of the club, uh, and so forth. And you still, those two? are still rolling after this uh, super league thing um, and so forth. But I think you're right. I think it takes, I think there needs needs to be, you know, I mean, I think the big companies in the world, you know, if we look at it again, I'm going to put it glazers in business language, the biggest companies in the world all have some type of mechanism in place for customers to be a part of the decision-making process of your product. All right. And so I think in, on, in the, on, it may not necessarily always be at the boardroom level, but I think in this case it does. Um, but I think it needs more than one, uh, you know, maybe one or two to be on, on that level uh, and, and on the board. And, and in terms of helping to make decisions that are going to be in the best interest of, the, of the, the club, the best interest of everyone that's involved, including the customers. Because, again, what the Glazers are so arrogantly misunderstand. And that's because they and they're so arrogant. You can tell because they have not directly apologized. They have never apologized, yeah. and they never will.
1: No, uh, uh, they're
0: never going to apologize. They'll send yeah. a crony to apologize for them. Yeah, uh, but they won't apologize. Why? Because they're so out of touch. They're so yeah. out of touch with the customers. They're so out of touch with the fans, and that is why it's an untenable position. But uh, I, I hope that at some point, and it's it's going to be an interesting storyline, how far is this going to go? How untenable are they going to make it uh, But on both sides, the customers, the fans on one end and the lasers on another? Because uh, if you did a poll of United supporters at this point in time, I, I mean, I guess it probably is going to be like 90% against and 5%. Okay, and five percent don't care, um, yeah. and and it is is that bad? But Mark, we got to get to the game that was uh, yesterday yeah. uh, because there was a match played <laughs> at was. Brist at Bristol. Yeah, I, I think that match though I- that was a tough watch, Mark. Yeah, that it was really a was. tough watch, Mark. What happened there?
1: I don't. I'm confused. Help me understand what yeah. I saw
0: um, <laughs> in that match.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was a really tough watch. Um, I think. Um, the 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 I think for many fans and you know we we talked about this last week. Many fans were expecting us to go to Bristol and beat them comprehensively, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And I just think yesterday you saw a Bristol who were fighting for their lives to stay in the WSL. I think mm-hmm. with the loss yesterday, I kind of think it's done now for them. I think they'll, they'll, they'll definitely they'll be going down, unfortunately. Um, the first half yesterday, um, we were lucky extremely lucky to go in at nil nil at half time. I think Bristol could have easily been one, maybe even two up at, at, at half time. Um I, I think this yesterday I think there was two parts to the game. The, the, the first part is the performance. The performance for me was after what we saw against Tottenham last week of this great performance, and, and a lot of p- fans were saying it was the best performance of the season. You then go to, 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 to that performance, which I think most fans will probably say is our worst of the season. But mm-hmm. I look at it slightly differently. I look at it... Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson used to say, a true mark of a great team is being able to play badly and still win the game. And yesterday, we managed that. We we didn't play well, but we won the game. Um, and that sh- for me, that shows that, that, that when you win a game or when you win games back-to-back, you have that uh, added... Um, you can puff your chest out, but you can feel. I'm, I'm, we're playing better than we we have been, and we've got. A, we had a run of good run of form game, and yesterday, I think it shows that by winning against Burnley, winning against Tottenham, we could have an off day, but still win. And we, but we just got there. Um, the performance was head scratching to say, to say the very least.
0: Yeah, I I, I just was wondering when. Um you know, I, I, you know, because I was, you know, trying to think what was going on. Because I mean, on one hand, Bristol City, yes, is is definitely they're fighting for their life. Actually, technically, it's not over over for them, but it's very, very dire. They really yeah. needed to get a result yesterday. They needed to get at least get a draw, which it looks like that's what they at least they were trying to get. Was just grind this thing to a to a halt because from a defensive standpoint, now we know though they have one of the better goaltenders in the league. So we know that. And so, but what had been missing in there and what they've been working on, Bristol had been working on for the last two or three months is defensive solidity, is being able to hold and be resolute and organized on the defensive end and just, you know, do a low block and just keep the offense from being able to create opportunities. And one of the things that, and that's kind of what seemed to transpire was the only way we're going to get a result. If I'm talking about Bristol here is to grind out a zero, zero, you know, because it is unlikely we're going to score against them. Um, We've seen the goal differential. Uh, So let's grind this thing down uh, and so forth. So what was and what, what has United's problem been? for the last two and a half months, not necessarily creating opportunities to score, but converting them. And so what happened, which thing that thing baffled me, but I mean, maybe I owe it to Bristol, uh, is United had trouble even just creating anything.
1: Yeah, I, I think yesterday, I think our passing was, was, it was bad. And when I say our passing, it, the, uh, the first touches of the players where the ball was going to, it was taking it, in my opinion, too far ahead, compared of them to giving them Bristol a chance of of getting in and getting the ball. Um, I, you look at the players yesterday. you know, we we've said it, we've said it before when we were talking about other subjects. Players are allowed to have an off game. I think yesterday. Most of them had an off day, but we still managed to win. Which, if this game would, if that game would have happened earlier in the calendar year, we might not be sitting here saying United won. We might be saying Bristol got a 0 nil draw or mm-hmm. Bristol snipped a one-nil win. As I said, Brit, uh, we were lucky to go in at, at half-time at nil-nil. I think Bristol had some very, very good chances in the first half. And, they did. But I, you, and they should have taken a, a couple. We I th- I, again, you saw you know Lucy standing for um shooting over the bar and and we weren't really giving their keeper um, much work. I, I think where we are in in the terms of the the starting 11 is pretty much what I expected. it'll be unchanged from from the Tottenham game. I wasn't expecting hurt uh, Katie to make many changes. Um but after the first 15-20 minutes, I probably would have pushed the button and made some changes at at, at half time. What would you have changed, Mark? I would have brought Jackie on, and I think Jackie made made a huge difference. Um as also did Jane Ross. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um so I would have brought Jackie on maybe slightly earlier, um, and uh, for me, and I've said it before, I we, we're very lucky currently in the world, currently to have a player of of, of Kristen Press's uh, quality, um, and she she's she she played really well yesterday, but you, when you have someone like Jess playing on the right, who is a number nine, who is probably the best position is through the middle. Could you have played Kristen on the left and Kirsty Hansen on the right? Because I think as, as, as much as I like Kristen Preston and, and her movement is outstanding sometimes, maybe you need, I think, you know, maybe you need that bit of physicality as a striker. And I, I, I think Jess brought brings that in, in, in low. In, she just has that physicality. Um, so maybe I would have looked at maybe swapping it for the after the first 20 minutes, seeing if it wasn't working, maybe playing just through the middle. Um, mm-hmm. but at half time, I, I would have probably brought Jackie on for that creativity because I think that's what we were we were seriously lacking is that that little bit of creativity mm-hmm. yesterday.
0: Yeah, there seemed to be, uh, I mean, I. I don't like being critical, but there just seemed to be across the team. Yeah, I mean, it, it was more than just it, that. Was the lack of creativity was the end result? But there just seemed to be a lack of of energy. It's just like I, I I've, I'm used to seeing United be more energetic, more straightforward, more on the front foot, and it just seemed to be a step slower and in and, and one one notch down in level of intensity that I, you know, because we, we commented last week on the level of intensity that they played out against Tottenham. And so that's what I was expecting at Bristol, because I mean, technically, you know, United was, was, not, was still in the champions league slot race. I mean, it's still, you know, I mean, Arsenal is playing a tough team in Everton and, and, they're still yeah. technically possible. So I was like, you know, they blasted Bristol 6-1. I wasn't expecting another 6-1, but I was like, okay. Uh, but, you know, it, but I was expecting it to be, be. I guess, the word I would use is handled. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, there should be, okay, 3-1, 3-0, something like that, uh, and so forth. But they, it came out without any without as much energy as I expected. The, the creativity wasn't there. The movement wasn't there. I mean, all of it just wasn't there. And then I start thinking, was this a mental block? Was this a mental thing where they just weren't prepared mentally, physically for the match? I mean, that's sort of the thought kind of the questions that, that uh went through my mind. Am I crazy, Mark, in thinking that? Because I I mean, I'm I'm used to being called crazy, so
1: so no, it I it won't hurt I my feelings. Think, <laughs> I think yesterday, I think there was as I said as I said, brother, I think yesterday fans expected us to be Bristol comprehensively. But just because you beat them six one at, at Lee doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna beat them six one away. Um I, I I think that I think yesterday whether the players I, I, I don't think they would ever do this, whether the players went into the game thinking we've already won it before we've played I don't know, and I, I don't think Casey would ever allow that to. And me, to either. me either.
0: Me um, either. I
1: I think yesterday, it, as I said, I think I think between all of them, they they had a a pretty bad game. They, they they had a bad game. Uh, no, no one really stood out, with the exception of maybe Jackie and Jane Ross when they came on, yeah. because they 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 did they 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 are um, spark plugs. They are spark
0: plugs when they come out there. So that's That's what they needed. But I would, you're right, Mark, I would have put them out earlier. I would not have waited. Uh, I would have put them on it right at half. Uh, I would have given it until halftime and been like, okay, we need to switch this thing up because it's not working. Uh, Mm -hmm. But she wasn't switched in and uh, Jackie wasn't put in until the 58th minute and Jane into the 65th minute. That's a little bit late uh, when it's it's still at nil-nil.
1: Yeah, but you saw yesterday, and I mentioned this last week about Kristen Press in particular, She right. how she was dropping to get the ball. She was coming way into our own half to get the ball and, and make something happen. Um, yesterday, last week, we were talking about Ella Toone. I mean, Tooney was substituted for, for Jackie, which was a shock for me because the way Tooney's performances have been, she's the one player you would expect to maybe come up with a goal and, and it maybe inspire something, but Tooney looked off it yesterday. Um, so yesterday, there were some really good points. The movement, like I said, of Kristen, it, it's really, really impressed me in these last two, three games where she's been coming deeper to get the ball. And she's shown to be. Ye- yesterday, there was a great um, photograph I, found, I saw um, on, on someone posted it on, on the, on, in one of our WhatsApp groups. Uh, of of Kristen standing there pointing, say you know, and her, she, she was obviously pointing and shouting something. And actually, I think yesterday Kristen was a great lead. I think she was you know as much as Katie Zellin was our captain, Kristen mm-hmm. yesterday was kind of leading that team by mm-hmm. her own performance in a way. I mean, let us be honest, it, she, Kristen wasn't playing great, but she she was up there with the best of the players yesterday and I think yesterday one of the things I think United the team lacked yesterday was that little bit of leadership Mm. and Mm -hmm. I I, I, when Jackie came on he calmed things down because of Jackie's uh, ball uh, the passing her passing ability Mm -hmm. and with Jane the ability for her to hold the ball up and make a nuisance of herself and you saw that for the goal whether it goes down as an own goal or whether it goes to a a Jane Ross goal, when you can get the ball into the box and you can make a nuisance of yourself. Which is what happened, yeah. Which is what happened. (laughs) Which is what happened. Yeah. You need those little little bits of sparks. And, you know, I think from when Jane, probably from about the 70th minute to the end of the game, United were pushing and pushing forward, but we were playing passes and we were trying to play with a bit of ener- with, with energy and I think it was as you said it was lacking before that and I, mm-hmm. once we brought on Jackie and the the energy kind of we kind of got revitalised and we were, kind of went for it.
0: Yeah, from a stat standpoint, it, it's, you know, uh, United's XG was 1.3 to um, Bristol 0.8. Uh, what's interesting, was interesting is Lucy, uh, Lucy Stanforth led the team in, in shot creating actions with nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as pressures were concerned, Christy Hansen, you know, had 26. Lucy Stanforth had 24. Katie had 22. Uh, as far as tackles were concerned, of course, it was Ona. Yeah, <laughs> well she's of course it was ona and of course you know she also uh what was the other thing she let in as well was it blocks okay she was you know she had 64 touches ona did okay she had two blocks yeah i mean from a defensive standpoint she, she was you know racking it up as she always seems to do uh and so forth but uh yeah, so I mean, the, the another name that I was wondering—I mean, she wasn't in the, she wasn't even in uh, available. But another name that had popped in my head, um, and then uh, and name that got thrown uh, that it got mentioned to me uh, was Lauren James. Now, Lauren James is still injured, is that right?
1: Yeah, and um, yesterday in the British press here, it's kind of been touted that she's probably going to be leaving us in the summer to go to Chelsea. So, um, I'm, uh, I, I don't know whether it's true or not. I, yesterday it was, like I said, it was in one of the major news, Sunday majors here, um, that she's going back. She's going to Chelsea. Um, LJ is is a talent that I would love to see in United for a long, long time, and I hope these these this story is is pure rumour, um, but. Unfortunately, there's no smoke without fire. So they've obviously got the story from from somewhere. Yeah, so. yeah there's there's
0: there's definite smoke there. I mean, there's definite yeah. smoke in there in, in that as it's been reported out there uh, and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, but. One of the things, I mean, we're going to have a show at the end of the season and kind of do a sort of a, a, dare I say, postmortem of the season. And one of the one of the main questions is like, what's now the next step? Because I think I think for to be honest, Mark, I think United as a club, both on the men's side and the women's side right now, this summer is an absolute of possibly pivotal turning moment that's that's potentially happening from from the from the entire Club standpoint, both on the women's side and the men's side, but 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 we're this is a women's football show, so we're going to talk about that. But you know, is you know, there's so many questions about this team for this team that have to be answered and will be answered during the summer in terms of the future of of folks like Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Lauren James, and other players. Are they going to you know? does you does United have targets? I'm sure they do. They have targets for transfers and things like that, you know, is the next step. Okay. We're going to go. We're going to try to qualify for the champions league next year. Uh, it's not in the cards this year. King uh, really close, um, but not in the cards this year. Is it, is United going to be able to make the ne- to take the next steps and they're going to have to get players to improve and new players in to make that happen and hopefully not lose anyone critical. Um so it, it, there's a lot of questions involved and 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 so forth with that. But before we get there there is the last game of the season. Uh, yeah. it is in a sense somewhat of a dead rubber at this point because yeah. arsenal has qualified for the champions league uh everton did not do united any favors uh no. by not by not getting being able to keep that result they did they were drawn at one point for a significant amount of time uh with arsenal but it, at the end it came out to be 2-1 arsenal which clinched it for them um but you know what do you expect out of everton what do you expect of that game
1: though you know uh- I, I'm. I'm I, I would love to finish the season, and you know, on on the on this current run of form, I would love to finish it with two wins. You know, we've still got Everton mm-hmm. this in the in the league as our right. final, and then, and then we've got mm-hmm. Leicester in the cup, who mm-hmm. yesterday lifted the the, the, the Championship trophy. Um, I would love for two wins, um, but as you rightly said, it's a it's a dead rubber game. Um, I don't think Casey will see it as that. I think Casey will see it as we can still get close to Arsenal, which is something that you and I have talked about as is, is that mm-hmm. natural progression. Mm-hmm. Um, I I expect it to be... I, I I don't think Everton will... I don't think Everton will be... I don't know where Everton are going to be. I'll, I'll put it that way to you. I think we can beat... I think we'll beat them. I just mm-hmm. don't know... Going to put up much of an effort because mm-hmm. you said they're they're not going to get any higher than their league position and we technically we can't get any higher than our league position so it's at home it's a shame we can't go The fans can't be in for it I think that's the, the yeah the last game I, I would I would think we I think we'll be them. I, I think it'll be you know, a 2-1 or a 1-0, it, it won't be a high-scoring game. It'll be kind of well fought out I think.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, that's what Everton does. Everton, you know, you see what the thing I go back to with Everton is they, you know, they pretty much, unless they have a total mental shutdown, uh, as they did, uh, I think they lost one a match recently, 5-0, I believe. But... But in most matches, I mean, there was that, that match where it was like 0-0 against City and until the 84th minute, you know, yeah. where they just had grinded that thing out um, and just being really resolute and organized on the defensive side, low block, you know, just not allowing any real chances to take place. And that's one of the problems that came up yesterday with United was not being creative and not creating opportunities that were solid. So that's a little scary going against Everton, but uh, I think there's a point to be proven I think players you know i think this is i think you've mentioned this several times, mark, where this is an opportunity again for players to show who they are, yeah uh, to show who they're going to be and to yeah. you know and to be honest to to mark their place on the squad for for yeah, next I'm, season I'm, you I'm, know I'm i mean gonna... how are you gonna how are you finish? really is going to say a lot. I mean, it's going to be a lot, you know, a level of uh, professional athletic integrity of yeah. saying, Okay. I'm going to go out in this somewhat game that really at the grand scheme of things doesn't matter in the big picture, but You have a you don't have a spot guaranteed on the team. I don't think you do in Casey Stoney's squad. A guaranteed spot, no matter what you do. So you got to go play for your play for your job, almost.
1: Yeah, and I I think honestly, yeah, and I think you bring up a a brilliant point there, and it's something that you and I, as you said, we've talked about. You look at you know we've had injuries, and I'm I'm not going to use the injuries as an excuse, and I I never have done. Injuries happen. It's football. It's a contact sport. It's what happens, but. When you look at someone like Lucy Staniforth, who at the very beginning of the season was suspended from... She she carried over a suspension from her Birmingham days. She then Mm -hmm. was injured. She was then getting minutes. And we're talking, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes maximum. And then we've had these injuries. So Hayley Ladd then got injured. Mm -hmm. And then Katie Zellum's been playing Hayley Ladd. Lucy Staniforth has come in and she's gone... You bought me as well. We're just you know, I'm just letting you know I'm here. And Lucy Standleforth for me right now. With the, obviously you know you've got the the Turners and, and and Mary and Honor who are in my opinion right now undroppable. Mm-hmm. Lucy Standleforth yeah, now yeah. put herself. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Lucy has now put herself in that same bracket. Going, mm-hmm. I'm undroppable right now. You can't drop me. Yes. I am. Mm-hmm. I am playing. I am letting you know I'm still here. And it's 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 it was such an interesting thing to see. And because I didn't really know much about Lucy Stanifost before she came to United, and I've seen her over the last six, seven, eight games that she's had where she's constantly been in the team starting. She's been our best player. And I can see it now. And now she's there going, you can't drop me. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I love about what's happened. You know, these injuries, yeah, it's happened. But you've had players come in and go, just waving, saying, I'm still here. I mean it's brilliant. Yeah, and and
0: the the thing that is going to be interesting because I you know in terms of, of going looking ahead is I Arsenal has also a whole ton boatload of questions too. Yeah. They got to replace their manager, who's been a long-serving manager who's been quite successful. Uh, they have contract issues that they gotta sort out. Vivian, Vivian Midama is, is the the one of the big the biggest of those pieces. Uh, I doubt. I have a strong doubt that she's going to sign re-sign with Arsenal. Um, and so they got questions too. So it, it, it's not like you know. I, I guess my point in that is to say that United is not fighting alone in that of having a lot of stuff to sort out in yeah. terms of looking at the top three. If if the top three is the, the next step that they want to reach the next goal, the next milestone, which I would believe it is because it would take a lot to compete against Chelsea and Manchester city at this point. Yeah. Uh, not to say it's impossible, but you look at their squad. I mean, we're talking about, you know, semi-finalist in the champions league and one in a final, uh, you know, that's, that might be a hill too big to climb, but Third is not, because Arsenal's got a lot to sort out. They got some issues, too, and and their club's a train wreck also from the ownership standpoint, uh, you know. And so there's a lot of questions uh, to follow. So, you know, it certainly is achievable. If the right steps are made, and and I think the good news is, I think United's got the right coach for it, they yeah. right, the right manager to do it, um, you know, and so forth. And there are a ton of quality players coming through the ranks, and, and uh, as well, the the youth program is developing uh, as well. Um, from the academy system is developing, um, so th- there is you know some positives there. So. Any other comments about Everton, about the future, Mark?
1: You know, Everton will be, it's a nice game to end the season on. As I said, I think we all have every fan, every football fan around the world, women's Super League fans, we all harboured a bit of hope that we would be in the grounds Mm -hmm. to see a game. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's happening a couple of weeks too early for us. Um, uh, it's a shame. Uh, it's been a great season. I've thoroughly enjoyed it uh, watching the likes of Tobin and Christen and I hope there's some way they stay, but it, that's out of my hands. It's it's up to the, the two of them now to make a decision yeah. on what they want to do. But I also think, you know, unfortunately, we're going to probably see the breakup of of this this United team. Some very good players go. There'll be some surprises in there, I'm sure but i also trust casey casey to bring in the right players to push us on and the one thing that i appreciate about the casey and what she's done is that she's held herself accountable for not getting third she came out in her pre pre match conference And she says, it's my fault. I hold my, I am responsible. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, nowadays you don't get very many football managers coming out and saying that. And I don't think she was saying it for the sake of saying it. She truly believes it. Um, And as a a football fan uh, and as a football fan of that team, I, I appreciate the honesty that Casey comes out with. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, uh,
0: you know, if Emma Hayes is the is the gold standard of of coaching in the women's game, which she is from a, even a world class level, mm-hmm. uh, I think that she's you know Emma Hayes has been seen as a as a heroine, uh, you know, of, of other coaches and a role model, uh, for other coaches coming in. And I'm sure Casey is one of them because a lot of what I see, see in here, Casey stay is, de- is definitely from the heart. I yeah. definitely genuine. You could, I mean, I, I mean, you could look in her eyes and tell the emotion behind what she is saying. It's not, yeah. it's not coach robot speak, you know, uh, she does say some coach bot things. You know, because that's what they all say. Um, I think they have a special class when you get your coaching accreditation for that. But um, it's a little bit of a joke. But I think they do have that class in there where you just say certain things, you know, coach bot stuff. But in the end of the day, though, I, you know, I think that she's a very genuine person. I think a genuine manager. Uh, and I think you always know where you stand, you know, stand with her uh, from cool. what I can t- what I can tell. So that's someone really special to play for. Uh, In the future. So uh, with that, so we'll see what happens, uh, you know, coming forward. But Everton is going to be an interesting, definitely interesting match. But I think the goal is, you know, let's end this thing uh, on the right foot. Also, you have FA Cup match, you know, FA Cup match coming up after that against a really interesting squad you got, you know, in Leicester that you mentioned. Uh, we'd still love to get someone from Leicester, you know, fan of Leicester on the show just to kind of welcome him into the WSL, but I'll work on that on the side. <laughs> so, But, Mark, thank you. I've taken a lot of your time and so forth. It's been a great conversation as usual. Uh, I did not kill you with stats like I always do because uh, I know you love it so much that I just rattle off stats and I'm like, nah, there's these stats are not all that You know,
1: I don't mind the stats. It's they're just not for me. I like, I, you know, I get people loving the stats, and tr- there's people within the BA who love their stats right. as well. So I, I don't mind the stats. I'm only messing.
0: Yeah. Um, so with that said, but Mark, thank you so much for your time. Great insights as always. It's great uh, and so forth. So, so y'all, this is England is burning for uh, for Monday again. You're hearing this on a Tuesday or maybe Wednesday or even later, but you know, smash a like on the video. Share this on your social media platforms, retweet it, send it to your friends and everything else. Uh, We got a lot of big things coming in the future, uh, but we're going to close out for this morning. Uh, and so forth, so later on we we still have Emma from the Man City women fancast to talk about Manchester City, talk about any new news about Chloe Kelly, who got injured looks really bad yesterday. I uh, hope it's not as bad as it looked uh, yesterday, so to talk about that, and we have Josh back on tomorrow. Uh, to talk about Arsenal and, you know, he'll be jumping up and down because they've qualified for the Champions League. Um, so, yeah. so we'll talk about that. Uh, so in closing, uh, you'll remember everyone, the light is out there. I know it's kind of rainy, but the light is still out there. Light is out there. Please acknowledge it. Please know that it's there. Also, we got to acknowledge that the darkness is out there as well. Acknowledge it, know that it's there, but don't let it ever hug you. If it does, or if it comes even close, please get the help you need. Take care of yourself take care of each other, and we'll let you know that England is Burning is done for this morning. We'll talk to you later.